0: Two, ready, one. Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast where you hear big questions just get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Lynn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I did a
1: pretty good cough before we yeah. got going. I felt like nobody acknowledged it, and you know, because you want to clear the pipes, get it ready for the thing, you have to do it and do it well. And uh, I feel like uh, maybe we, you know, we weren't paying enough attention to how well that went.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, I, I'm not sure I want the list of which of your bodily functions you want <laughs> to get attention and not, but <laughs> I'm not sure I can avoid it. Also joining us, the director of Missionary of Actions, Jed Burr.
3: Dude, nice cough. Thank you. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of acknowledgement goes a long way. That was, it was solid. Uh-huh. It didn't go too far. Right. You, you didn't over-cough. Yeah. But it was authoritative. Yeah.
1: You sold right. it. It, mm-hmm. was, it was bold and assertive. You committed to the cough. Yeah. And you landed
0: it. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Yeah.
0: Sometimes we like to model healthy friendship here on the podcast. <laughs> and if you ask for a little encouragement, you'll get it back in kind. There you go. Sometimes you can take that extra step Glenn did. And start feeding words to the person. That's heard right. You. That that helps. Would you say it was bold? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, <laughs> right. but I thought there's a certain boldness happening.
4: That's right. Join us
0: all the way from Rokers should see one of the pastors of Christ community church Lee Younger.
4: The thing that I was thinking was that Matt started the intro so quickly after the Glenn cough that my idea was like, is is Matt trying to show off his editing skills?
1: Yeah, this is is he even paying attention to the flow of what's happening here?
3: There's the a mir- feng shui thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Through the miracle of um, computer technology, I like to think that all of us have these incredibly deep, rich baritones on the yeah. final production. Yeah. I mean, I don't listen to it, so I have no idea. Yeah, I, I right. In that
0: case, we certainly do. Ah! I
1: find right. it a little shallow and pedantic. Shallow
3: and pedantic. Yeah. Really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Well, you're yeah. not wrong. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna launch in. We got a lot of good questions coming up this week, but first, I Claire. Um, I think fairly shallow and pedantic emergency. Oh wow, well, that, that don't fits. know what out of those words mean, but <laughs> I'm excited. Also uh, pedagogical,
1: yeah,
0: and uh, flim flam doodle, yeah. These are all the type of things that describe this here emergency. We had a video come in from uh, super fan Miss Guinevere that she had found that's that's uh, from the other side of the world indeed said a video that she found on the interwebs that we may have uh, mentioned in passing on one of our christmas episodes but it certainly warrants its own emergency and that is you know this is a video of clearly someone who got taken to church for the christmas holiday yeah maybe not a regular tender maybe doesn't know the uh the ins and outs of this particular liturgy, the protocols, yes. And uh, while there's kind of an eyes closed, and apparently we're doing a sinner's prayer, so I have some guesses on what denomination this might be, but that uh, uh, this gal is a uh, there's things, sort of
1: music going in the background.
0: If yeah, I think right. there should probably should be like a hand motion. There's hand motions, other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, is just doing the macarena. Yes, <laughs> yeah,
4: it's yeah. fantastic,
0: and I love that so much.
1: I. I think my response was something along the lines of rather than listen to that preacher who's in the background of that video, I'd, I'd much rather hear what this young gal has to say about Christianity. Yeah.
0: Well, For there's some reason, I don't know why. Yeah. There's a certain spirit that we on the podcast certainly, um, exercise, which we encourage other people to do to the extent that they feel comfortable with, which is church. People are probably not going to call me on this. Yeah. And just, uh, let that inform at that point church becomes your playground yep. yeah yeah cuz as long as you keep it within some pretty darn wide boundaries <laughs> they're not going to say anything yeah That's there's really a true. there's a story i would love to to cuelin up in here of a of a gentleman he used to work with in ministry yeah who would uh pour it on a bit thick yeah at church and there's a specific conversation you had with him that i think of all the time <laughs> yeah well, he, uh,
1: you know, it's true that uh, sometimes when you're doing as he did, and 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 I was privileged to do it with him, when you're doing really good ministry, and you're in a church that is definitely not doing good ministry, but they kind of feel like they're vastly superior to you, it's a little hard to swallow, and it's a little bit tough to be magnanimous about it and say, "No, oh, you guys are great, it's great, it's all great, you know, you, you want to do that, but you kind of can't, because it's, it's a bit of a lie. And so his way of dealing with that was being, to my ears, nakedly, obviously sarcastic.
3: <laughs> good Lord's Day, brothers and sisters, as the good book says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. I mean, that
1: that literally, that. I mean, that's that's if anything, in less. That voice. Of it. Yeah, just just in a radio announcer voice. I think this church is great, and you're you're like, I oh. enjoyed all forty seven minutes of that sermon. <laughs> I'm literally turning to him with my mouth <laughs> hanging open, like they're gonna know that you are making fun of them. He's like, he looked at me. He says, No, they won't. And they did not. And dear, yeah, wow. dear listener,
0: they never did. They never. I saw
1: him do that many times, and they all swallowed every
0: bit of it. And that's if you just
3: Hey macarena,
0: come at it from the right angle, you can get away with so much. Yeah, you go because you go into church. Think I got. I better. You know. I better conform to what they want and do their they feel, because otherwise they'll like you know, boot me out or something. They're not gonna
1: no, no. He here's here's what I'm suggesting, fellas, because uh, there's some people who might think, well, maybe it's a little irreverent to do the Macarena during the Sinner's Prayer. I mean, maybe. Uh, my Bible says, "Dance with all your might before the Lord," the way David did. You totally. know, that's the kind of thing you ought to be doing.
0: Not or, exactly the way David did. Well, he he was a <laughs> bit underdressed yeah, at the time. So. Uh, focus on the moves.
1: Yeah, but focus on the moves. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's I've said that many times. That's
0: good advice almost regardless of the yeah. area of life.
1: Always focus on the moves. But uh, here's what I'm saying is I think we need to go the other way. Okay. I think we need more Macarena.
3: Yes. Like sure. Like
1: introduce it into the liturgy. I think in the in the in the, the the uh tweet uh chain mm. sure. or whatever you call it. Uh, I I was suggesting that we do sort of a Gregorian chant of sure. the Macarena, as if it might be make it sound as if it was Latin somehow. Oh yeah! Wow. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah! 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 I think I think we need more Macarena, not less. Oh yeah! Yeah, and if you're picturing the Monty Python movie where they slam their heads foreheads with the the Bible, at yeah, the yeah, end yeah, of it, you're you're welcome to keep doing that.
3: Well, the thing that I'm taking away here that, I gotta be honest, I, I would attend this, is we're all familiar with, with churches that will have, they'll have a hymn sing, sure. right? It's a special service mm-hmm. where you get together and just sing some hymns, or, or a praise and worship night, you know, get together, and it's, it's a concert of prayer and praise, a praise mm-hmm. you hear bandied about. I'm talking about Jock Jams Night ah, at your local church. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. The
0: Holy Spirit is gonna make you sweat.
3: That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the gospel's gonna get you.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's, you yeah, go. that's wow. good stuff. You know, yeah.
3: Everybody prays
4: now. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> 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 it's raining I'll tell you this. There's there's a the I don't know if you guys are aware of the there's like an online video game called Fortnite. Yeah, that, yeah. That the kids are playing. So, uh, they apparently when you vanquish a foe, then your character will perform uh dance moves. Right. Uh, you know, over the vanquished foe or whatever. And all of the the little kids in the church are always doing the dance moves. Right. So there's the, there's the floss sure, The kids thing. are flossing. Kids are flossing. Has nothing to do with their teeth. This is one of the moves. They're doing the Orange Justice, which is a whole thing. I don't know where they get the names, obviously. I don't know anything about it. I can't do any of the actual dance moves. But my son can do all of these. Okay. And I love the idea of just of having like a really, really buttoned down uh, liturgical service and like all the kids are just in there just getting it with the Fortnite dances. Yes. Because in their minds, this whole thing is associated with gunning down your foe. (laughs) Right. And then over their dead corpse, you are doing these dance moves. And so as we are in the middle of the liturgy, just breaking down the Orange Justice and whatnot. Dude, that's a liturgical drama I could get
3: behind.
1: We, we've defeated Satan. Yes. There, and now we must dance.
3: Yes. <laughs> so we got a dude with horns, another yeah. dude with a Nerf gun. Yes. He blasts him, True. knocks wow. him over. fantastic Liturgical drama. Liturgical drama. Now a team comes out and dances over our vanquished foe. I think wow. this
1: is a fantastic idea.
3: How is every youth Sunday in the country not doing this right now?
1: Mm. I, I think that they should be stealing me. it.
0: For those of you listening at home, speaking of editing, we just had an uh, editing equipment malfunction, meaning we lost some, some time there. But I'm going to say this joke again because I enjoyed it. Saul has pwned his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. Ha, 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 ha. Glenn. Yeah. that sound realistic? <laughs> your spontaneous and genuine laughter is appreciated. <laughs> but as, as, and to get back and as we point out on the show a lot of times, uh, liturgy is all made-up crap.
2: Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Right. We actually don't say made up crap, meaning it's bad. It's no, not something that's fine. it's just a
4: human made it up. That's yeah,
0: all. not no, this is in the Bible. Right. Y'all well, just made this up.
4: You got to finish that with the Jed quote. It, liturgy is made up crap, and church folks love church stuff.
0: Crap. That is no, a church. version of that quote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> church folks love church stuff. But yeah. uh, you, you can just make your own up. Yeah, that's sure. right. Why do that? Do you don't have to have a seminary degree to make up a liturgy. Let me tell you what, you want
1: more young kids in your church, you bust out the Nerf gun. Yes. You know what? Find one of the elders, like one of the ones you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> put him, put some horns on him. Lee laughed unusually loud at that. I'm not sure why. <laughs> but here's what you do is you put some on. horns on him, give the kids a Nerf gun. Go to town. Go to town. Macarena. Yeah. That's that. You, you, let me tell you what, that's
3: going to be a hit. Yes. Those kids want to come back next week. Dude, I'm enjoying it just seeing it play out in my brain. Right, certainly.
0: <laughs> Faith night.
3: Yeah, what do call there you it?
0: Go. There you go. Yes. Get there them is. all in there. Boom! Solved it. Yes, you know you dress up various people as uh, seven deadly sins. You hunt them down. You dance <laughs> over the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> like bing, sloth boom. is really
1: slow. So yeah, he's, he's easy to catch him. Like he's the first. Yeah, one it's, to it's go it's down, Yeah, it's kind of a
0: you know it's first level. Right, yeah, right, right, the right. first right.
1: one to go down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know greed's got the big money bags he's Absolutely. trying to run with the money bags that he's holding on to you know? we're we're
0: we're writing your vacation bible school for you people i
4: mean come you're, on dude put somebody you're, you're, some somebody write this down you know you're leveling up through the different bosses, yeah you know that's you're it. unlock you're unlocking new spiritual disciplines and new spiritual gifts as you beat as you defeat another deadly sin come on, man, just doing
0: the running man up the the aisle to get the communion <laughs> yeah and and
4: and and the fact that 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 ju- jesting about a spiritual video game has not made Matt quote Flanders kids about winging somebody in in uh, Billy Graham's Bible Blasters is kind of a miracle. <laughs>
0: Full conversion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes me happy. You could also do that. Yeah, I'm t- here. You go. I'm going to tie it back into our previous episode okay. of emergency with people being creepy about the Bible. Uh, you could make Nerf guns mm. issue shoot little foam Bibles. Yes. Oh,
1: there you wow. go. That's you brought it all Target, together.
0: You launch it at someone yeah. in a way that effectively defeats the sin.
1: Yeah, it's a it's, a it's a sword metaphor. Of the metaphor. The sword of the spirit It's the word of God. Absolutely. So you, you've done it. Wait a second. Everybody gets a nerf sword.
3: Ooh, yeah. Ooh, there
1: it is. Yeah. That's uh that's a you know, because it kind of brings the violence closer, you know, yeah. it's more personal, sure, more visceral. It's a real... visceral. There's yeah. melee. Yeah, you, know, you yeah. really. Yeah,
0: if we're going to talk liturgy. we might as well be medieval.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, hey, yeah, that's right. I like old fashioned liturgy. At this church, we go medieval on it. Right. <laughs> that's right.
2: That's <laughs>
4: right.
1: You could find some text somewhere that says that that's what they did back in the sure. in medieval times, and then that's like, I, I want a really traditional liturgy in this church. Okay, <laughs> so
3: let's let's go back to
1: the the,
4: the original intent of this liturgy.
3: I'm full on just picturing American Gladiators from the early '90s. Oh, dude,
4: the tennis ball launcher,
3: yes,
0: absolutely, Nitro and whatnot.
3: Yeah, Nitro and Biff, and they're battling it out. (laughs) So you're
0: saying
1: Pastor has to get into the spandex?
4: Yes, thank you.
3: That that might be
1: inadvisable depending on who's your pastor. You're Eh. going to find out a lot of things. You you know the 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 exact physique of the pastor may not be uh, something you want to witness.
0: Definitely true. But here's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, uh here's here's the thing about sermons, no mm-hmm. matter where you go, here's a complaint I've never heard. Okay. That sermon was just a little too short for me.
1: Right. That has so like never we could been have said.
0: Gotten into some more analogies. Right. <laughs> so like I just I just like what if Pastor has seen a movie in his life and didn't recount every bit of the plot to us? <laughs> right. right. Did it even like count? And you know, there are various uh, you know, some larger churches have like multi service. You'll if you look in the back, you'll see the big clock counting down because so they got a turn the room over at the bridge we have a we give people a, a hand sign meaning two minutes if you're on the pulpit you're around you're at that point where you're around in the corner and you think i could land this plane or i could really give them the the hot sauce yeah and you see someone walking to a tennis ball cannon yes right <laughs> It's time to wrap it up.
1: They're holding the trigger on the tennis ball cannon, and they're looking at their watch with the other hand.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, that's it for me. You guys are coming back next week, and I'll uh, pick up any pieces there. Same thing goes. Worship leader, you know, he thinks they're really into it. You know what everybody loves? Third chorus. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's bring it back around. You see two very large gentlemen. Standing up and getting the pugil sticks—that's the word I was <laughs> <Dude>. looking for. <laughs> well, just Sandman style. You tell me, it just once. Right. Say how was church? You went to that new church. How did that go? So well, you know, they had a smoke machine, which not—it's fine. It's pretty, pretty good, and they were like kind of friendly, but like at minute sixteen of the worship set, <laughs> right? Two jacked up dudes right. holding foam sticks yeah. chase the worship band <laughs> off stage
1: fantastic
0: you're telling I'm, me you're not coming back
1: next I'm, week i'm going to that church it's building anticipation the whole time
0: <laughs> absolutely even if it never, <laughs> happens, again. Even if it never it happens, happens again two straight years yeah, it'll, say, it'll, you, know, and you say you know you say i appreciate it why you still go let me tell you.
1: Just in it case. it could happen again. Even, yeah. He, we never I know. S-
0: I see Deacon Nitro over there. Yeah. Right, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's that right. could be a
1: ripaway suit. I don't know. I'm bringing this all together. Please. Now here's how this works. Is you say some churches they have more than one service, right? Yep. They gotta wrap it up because they got the kids you see in right. the Sunday school. Right. And it's time to you know you gotta You go. can only hold
0: off that uprising for so long.
1: That's right. So here's what happens is when it's time for the service to end. You just hand out uh, pu- pugil sticks. Is yes. that what you call them? Yeah, sure. Pugil, you know, you know foam covered melee weapons.
3: Whacking sticks.
1: You just <laughs> hand them out and say, and then you just release them. Yeah. <laughs> just go through the whole church, clear that place out. Yeah. Just, it's a, what's the, what was the the movie, The Purge? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. You purge this church. You just go through there, and, you know, because you always have the people that, like, want to linger in fellowship, and it's like, come on, dude, we got to wrap it up, we got to move to the next thing. These kids just come in and whoop your
3: behind. Our traditional service begins promptly at 8.15 a.m. Promptly. Our contemporary service begins at 11.45 a.m., 9.15 is our purge. What was that middle one? Our contemporary service, which begins at
0: 11.15. Hopefully that won't be necessary. Yeah, that's
4: right. yeah.
0: And with that, I declare emergency off. Yeah. The Macarena. We somehow got from the uh, adorable board person doing the Macarena <laughs> to releasing a child army with foam <laughs> weapons. Well, thank to you. Hack away at the elderly hey, to chase them out of a church building. We're
1: fixing church here. Yeah, it's, hey, it's going to be a little messy.
0: Somebody's yeah. got to do it. That's right. But uh, you know, here's here's something we uh, we have not found a way to bring violence into yet. But yeah. one day maybe. That's Bridgebox. For now, it's, it's just songs, sermons, Bible studies, all all things delivered digitally. Can't can't even get to you. Mm. We couldn't shoot a tennis ball at you through Bridgebox if we wanted to. Oh, we've know. tried. Oh yeah, Mailchimp just doesn't quite have it yet. But for now. Continue to have our wonderful friends here who like the podcast support us for only $8 a month. Be lots of good stuff to fuel your own walk here in the month of January. We we're talking about dealing with boredom, kind of that restless, listless feeling that a lot of us get in the winter months and the new year. Some ways to constructively deal with that and move our lives forward. MissionUSA.com slash All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. I that was all the way in the end. Or scroll down the episode description. I have some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in and honestly and it says, I've lost my faith. I don't know why I don't feel anymore the strength inside of me to follow God. Some days I wish I could give up the faith, but I know it's dangerous and somehow I must keep on track. Have you ever felt something like this? And uh we appreciate your we appreciate your questions. We appreciate all the questions that come in, but we this is raw, this is honest, this is the kind of stuff we like. And Glenn, where would we start off?
1: Well, I agree with you, first and foremost. I'm really glad that you sent this in, and I love how honest and raw you are about it. And make no mistake, every single person on this podcast has felt all of this and more. Uh, There are no perfect people on this podcast. There aren't any super Christians on this podcast. We're all a work in progress, same as you are. Uh, we have our our, our, our frustrations and our, our times like this where we just feel like, man, I'm out of gas on doing this whole deal. Uh, there, so having said, so that's the main thing I want to say is you, you are not alone in any of that. Right. Uh, so having said that, there there are a number of layers to this. Here's the first layer that we're going to start with. Um, you you say some days I wish I could give up on on having all this faith here's the here's the thing with that um, I think we have a a way of focusing on faith first in our relationship with god like that's the main thing you have to have faith um, Faith has to do uh, in many ways with moving forward in your walk and being obedient in your walk and those kinds of things that's not where we start we don't start with faith we start with love yeah Uh, if you're dealing with a a personal depression if you're dealing with problems with your church if you're dealing with just problems with your lifestyle maybe you're uh, sort of beating up on yourself or where you're at right now this isn't about having faith that's not the challenge that's before you that's not the thing that god is calling for you to to look at and focus on it's love Uh, First of all is to receive the love that he has for you. That's first and foremost. And second of all is to operate on your love for him. Uh, So what I'm saying about that, then, is if you say, I'm focusing on loving God and I'm focused on doing the things that love demands of me. Love moves people. It causes us to do amazing things, crazy things. Commit to things, uh, whatever have you. If you're doing that, if you're saying I just lo- I just know that I love God and I'm just going to do whatever that love moves me to do, you are probably going to end up being a better Christian than the people on this podcast currently are. So, no doubt.
3: Uh, yep.
1: So let's focus on that. That's let's not look at faith. Here's another thing uh, you say. I know it's dangerous. Uh, uh, if I get off track, let's not deal with danger either. Uh, that's that that's that's fear-based thinking. You know, something horrible will happen if I'm not uh, acting faithful on all of these things. Uh, th- that's that fear is not going to help you be a better Christian at all. Uh, fear is a tool of the enemy, and the enemy is not going to give you a tool that you could use to better your walk with. So that's that's not going to work. Um, but there's a, there's an, for me, the key phrase in this, uh, is is somehow I must keep on track. Here's the thing about that. Most of us are not on track. Most of the time I try to be on track with what God's asking me to do. How's and that going? It is it is it is extremely hit and miss. Oh, you too? Yeah. Now, I could look at my life in very broad strokes and say in the looking at it from the biggest picture overview, I'm attempting to live my life in service to other people. I'm attempting to help people who are uh in a hurting place. I'm attempting to tell people about a Jesus. If I looked at it from sort of a global viewpoint or something like that, then yeah i i'm in my life is being lived in the vein of of what what is a good life and a faithful life or whatever but when I, if i go down into the granular level of detail if i ask am i doing what god's asking me to do today well i can't say yes if i don't know what he's asking me to do and uh it turns out that most of us are very hit and miss on being on track if we look at it on yeah. that level that's right. I can't. I, I, so th- therefore, I don't like this view of you feel like you're on track, but exhausted now. And out of fear, you're going to stay on the track that you're on now because it would be terrible if you didn't. I think probably it'd be better if you got off whatever track this is because it looks like it's obeying out of fear rather than simply choosing to love and do what love demands of you. Uh, if you operate, uh, the, Jesus said, "I'm going to boil all this down to two commandments, because y'all get compl- get everything complicated up and, and and get confused." Here's what it is: love me, love your neighbor. Do those are two commandments. Now, can you do those two? And because if you do those two, everything else is going to fall into place. But we have a way of looking at lifestyle. We have a, look, a way of looking at uh, what what we're uh, doing in terms of. Uh, the way we operate, the way we manage relationships, what we're looking at online, all these kinds of things, and judge ourselves according to those things, not according to those two great commandments of loving God and loving each other.
0: That's a fantastic place to start off. There's a lot of really, really great stuff. And, Jed, I, I'd love to get us to look at this idea of—because I think it's an important one, I think our friend running the question may not realize how how important it so is that i I'd love to give up faith, but it seems like I just can't. Okay. Um, If you can't give up faith, and again, I think we've all been there, um, it's almost like you not having faith is not foundationally affecting your relationship with God. If it's Hmm. still hanging on. So how how do we develop that idea and get into a little bit of a safer place on it?
3: Well, let's start here. You you described what you're dealing with, and you asked— um, have you ever felt something like this? Yeah, absolutely. In in fact, I remember super clearly the night in college when I decided I'm done praying. I just don't do that now. So I've had enough. And uh, I'd like to take that moment of I've had enough and uh, actually look at your situation for a second. I think you've had enough of something. And I think the the thing that we need to figure out is what that thing is. So uh, just as a thought experiment, here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. I want you to imagine for a second that you can be 100% sure that a big part of what you're dealing with here is anger. Again, it's just a thought experiment. Mm. I'm not saying that's true, but we'll, we'll just pretend it is for a second. Take out a journal or word processor or whatever and write down, if that were the case, if we could just be certain that a big part of this is anger, who are you angry at? What are you angry about? Now, what you may find is no one, nothing. I think the world's great and wonderful and fantastic. I think I'm great. I think God's great. I think all of my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are great. I just have no faith of any kind in God. Great! Well, then we can eliminate anger as a possibility. But on the other hand, you may start writing about things you're angry at and realize you have a lot of them. Mm. A mm. lot of them. And what you may find, again, it's a thought experiment, so who knows? We could land anywhere. But what you may find is that you're pretty angry at yourself about some things, and maybe that's you know a sense of feeling like you're not measuring up and you're letting yourself down. You may be angry at God for some things. You may be angry at church people for some things. You may be angry at your parents for some things. You may be angry at your friends for some things. You may be angry at your pastor for some things. And that's kind of a scary deal because I think if you're like a lot of us, you pretty quickly run into things thing of, I don't know if I'm allowed to be angry at these people. I don't know if I'm allowed to be angry at God. I don't know if I'm allowed to be angry at my parents or my pastor or, or whatever else. The only person on that list you may feel comfortable being angry at is you. But this is the deal is, you're, if you're dealing with anger, and who knows, it's a thought experiment. But if you're dealing with anger, you're angry whether you're allowed to be or not. So we can just set that allowed to be thing aside, because you already are. If we can establish that some of this is an anger thing, then I think it's about finding a safe place to be able to talk openly with another human being about, do I have a point on any of this? Um, is this? Am I just making stuff up? am I just um you know uh, uh am I just throwing a pity party for myself what What is this and that would be a good moment to find someone that you really trust and who's qualified to speak to your situation. so that could be a counselor, that could be a therapist if you're if you're not sure who that would be, please write us. We'd love to help you talk to someone and we might be able to talk a little bit about some of your details. but the odds that you would look at that list and it's just nope. I'm just making stuff up. I'm just all making mountains out of molehills is zero, Just, Mm -hmm. just as a preview of coming attractions. But if this is anger, and again, who knows? Thought experiment. But if this is even in part anger, then this isn't about trying to force yourself to feel more faith. This isn't about trying to force yourself to go through the emotions. It's about addressing the anger. It's about looking at the the wrongs yeah. that have occurred in your life the feelings that you understandably have about them and figuring out what do we have to do to get to make these wrong things right so again uh, have we ever felt something like this we definitely have but a lot of times when we get to these places where we feel like i just got nothing inside me anymore and i feel kind of numb there are other things driving that um anger may be one of them but we want to figure out what those other things are so that we can address them
0: it's a really great point. It's fantastic stuff there. And yeah. Lee, let's uh, let's uh, look at once we figure out what that is, and maybe anger's a big part of it. Maybe it's not. Who's to know? This is just a thought experiment. <laughs> but uh, once we figure out what that going, maybe where where we've landed on some of this stuff, well, how do we start taking those next steps into moving on to the next thing?
4: Yeah, I absolutely love everything that's been said on this by these other two brothers and just to piggyback exactly off of the end of what what Jed's talking about there there is this idea in your question of getting back on track but someone who's willing to be honest about where they are with God even if they feel like it it might be wrong I don't know that's pretty on track and and the reason I say that is that there are so many people who, quote-unquote, are living the Christian life or whatever, who never have any honesty with Jesus about anything in their life whatsoever. And if you do exactly what Glenn is talking about, exactly take that road down through what Jed is talking about, where you take a survey of of, of yourself and the things that you're feeling, and if you are angry or if you have some resentment— and you start to talk honestly with God about that kind of stuff, man, you are so far ahead in this Christian thing. Here's the deal. I think a lot of us naturally assume that the relationship that God wants with us is, um, he's got a lot of expectations, and our job is to be strong enough to meet those expectations and to live in a way that would please him. The last night that Jesus was on the earth... Before the crucifixion, he took his guys to, uh, out on a walk after dinner, and he told them, he's, he just said, let me just take this whole thing down for you and tell you why I came. I came so that I could be your friend. I want to be your friend. And a friend is somebody who listens to you when you're having a hard time. A friend is somebody who understands when you don't know where you are with something. Jesus wants to be your friend. He wants to listen to your heart, he wants to listen to your doubts. He is patient with all of that. And if you're if if what you land on is Getting on track means to be 100% honest about the things that I'm feeling and to express and work through all of those things with Jesus. Let let all of us tell you right now, that is as awesomely Christian as you can be. To be completely honest about that. Folks in the 12-step program will, will tell you that, that one of the things that they do to move toward health is to... to uh, to make a a list of everybody that they have resentment toward. And I love the way that Jed described this when he was kind of giving his answer of, you might feel like you're not angry with anybody in your life, and then you start kind of working through that, and you find out, I've got a lot of it. There was one guy um, in in kind of an AA testimonial who was saying that, you know, somebody encouraged him to make this list of people he was resentful toward. He didn't think he was resentful toward anybody, and he wound up listing 900 people and his sponsor read it and said, do you realize you listed your mother-in-law 13 times? (laughs) And he said, yeah, that's about right. Um, And the deal is, is that if you get to that place, you do what these brothers are talking about, and you start just taking your doubts and your resentments and your anger and your questions, all of that stuff to Jesus, in in the posture of, this is someone who wants to be my friend. Who cares about me like a friend who is patient and understanding like a friend and you take all of that to him and talk to that stuff about him and talk about all of that stuff with him man you are as on track as it is possible to be in fact, I would suggest to you that that's what Jesus wants the last thing yeah. is the last thing I would say is you say in your question you just don't know if you have the strength um and, and what I would say to you is Jesus isn't interested in your strength as much as your weakness. He wants your honest self. He wants you to bring your weariness. He wants you to bring your sick and tired, your fed-upness, all of that stuff to him. You be you, exactly as you are. Take it straight to him, exactly as these brothers are talking about. And I guarantee you, that's exactly what Jesus wants.
0: All oh, really fantastic stuff. Oh, all a tough question. Again, we applaud you writing in being real about that and these guys gave you a lot of excellent excellent place to start but the only thing anyone can really give me on something like this is a starting point we can't walk you to the to the end of you feeling like you're just on solid ground and never gonna have these feelings again because uh you are that's cool and the first step as all these guys point out is not being afraid of those doubts not not being weirded out about that that's if you're gonna if you're uh take on board what these guys gave you and go back through listen to that a couple of times you're going to be very well equipped to not only deal with this now but deal with this the next time it comes up which it will and that's just fine we're gonna move on to our next question here it comes in and honestly and it says should i be excited to read god's word i'm very thankful we didn't have this question on the last episode <laughs> or we may have never gotten to it <laughs> I am currently reading through Deuteronomy, but it's boring, to be honest. I don't want to skip through any books, but I also don't want to dread reading them. What should I do? Thank you so much, as always. Very good question. Again, uh, a lot of it takes a lot of honesty to say, turns out big parts of this book are kind of boring sometimes, yeah. which they are. Yep. So we applaud that again, but Jed, where do we start off here?
3: All right, so... Um, The book of Deuteronomy, which I'm really impressed that you're reading all the way through, literally means the second law. Right. All right. Chapters 12 to 26 of the book of Deuteronomy are referred to as the Deuteronomic Code. Mm. And um, that is the name given by academics to the law code set out in chapters 12 to 26. Here's why I say that.
0: I thought that was like kind of 90s skateboarding type. No, it's dude. Oronomic
3: dude. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well more things for our nineties church revival.
3: (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing. You're, you're reading a legal text. That's, that's what you're reading in that book. And my question for you, I'm assuming you live in the U S are you excited? Would you be excited to read the U S legal code? Huh? Cause, um, how about the tax code? Yeah, would you be excited to read the tax code? I mean, here's the funny thing is the tax code has a ton of relevance to your life. I'm not saying that it's a waste of time. I'm not saying that it's just, you know, um, uh, an exercise in futility. If you read the U.S. tax code, you'll you'll have a better handle on things that have a lot of impact on your life. Sure, it'll
0: be like that guy with the... Uh the question mark suit on the infomercials—you know—how so to get free money from the government.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But that doesn't make it not boring. I mean, it's that's kind of what it is, man. I, I think, and and this gets into a broader discussion. We're going to answer your question more practically here in a minute. And I know the bros will have a lot on that, but this gets into a broader discussion that is that is worth having. I I have a, a dear friend who's going through a similar struggle, and she said to me one time, "You know, God's word is not boring." And this is the thing. Law books are kind of boring. That's, yeah. that's kind of how that works. If, if you're reading long books of genealogy, kind of boring, man. There's, there's not really a way around that. So I think the first thing we need to do is to take the guilt off. One right. of the things that I think has been put on you and has been put on a whole generation of Christians is an idea that if you're not rapturously, overwhelmingly, ecstatically excited to just flip to the next page of your Bible— then pretty much you're barely a Christian. And that's really not it. That's way just, to go, Jed. Yeah, that's that's not it at all. Now, here's where we come to the other side of it, though, is there is stuff in Deuteronomy that's worth knowing. There is stuff there that's that's worth learning. So how do we how do we deal with that? How do we both recognize that this is some dry material, but there is some stuff in here? Well, I think one of the things that I would really want to encourage you on is to take advantage of the idea of commentaries, to take advantage of the idea yeah. that there are people who have studied this stuff before you and would love to teach you about it i mean the, the what a teacher is supposed to do is to bring a subject matter to life that's they're not just supposed to impart raw information. The, the job is to is to help provide a broader sense of narrative. So, for example, as you get into the prophets, both the major and minor prophets in the Old Testament, there's a book called The Prophets by a rabbi named Abraham Heschel. And it's incredible. It's, it's one of the most amazing books I've ever read by a wide measure. But the thing is, he is a good teacher. He knows how to take this thing that I don't have a lot of background in, I don't have a lot of perspective on, and help it come to life so that I can get it. If you can dig it, actually, that's one of the things that the New Testament recounts about Jesus, is that he would teach people about what was in the Old Testament, but that he made it come to life for them. That he, he brought this material to life. So... If you're dealing with stuff that feels boring, that feels like you don't know how to interface with it, find someone who can teach you about it in the true sense of that word. Again, that's not just imparting raw information. That's not what it means to teach, but someone who can help this stuff come to life for you. A a commentary is a good way to do that. A good history book is a good way to do that. A really, really gifted preacher can be a good way to do that. That can be a little bit harder to find, but if you can find it, that's great. But the key thing is taking off that false pressure of, I should just find all of this endlessly fascinating. Because that's yeah. not true. That's not realistic. Um, the, the The Bible does not proclaim that about itself. It says all scripture is God breathed and useful. It doesn't say all scripture is God breathed and fascinating. Those are two different things. <laughs> em- em- embrace that that is what it is, that it is worth knowing more about, but there are ways to do that where you will find it interesting and get more out of it.
0: All very good stuff. That's an excellent introduction to this idea. And Lee, where do we go from here?
4: Well, I- I want to piggyback on the same kind of thing that Jed said and, and and along with admitting, you know, how you feel about Scripture and that sometimes it's boring and all that kind of stuff, there is an idea with Christians that, you know, there's one way to interface with scripture and that's the correct way. And that's the correct time of day and the correct attitude and the correct coffee shop and with the correct journal and with the correct Instagram post or whatever. And what I would suggest is that we need to throw that out as well. Not only is it a deal where this whole thing's not going to be endlessly fascinating, and and in fact, some of it is going to be boring, but there are going to be times when you need to switch up everything about it. Not only that, there are going to be times when things that that once upon a time were just engrossing and fascinating – in certain parts of the Bible, you'll go back to them and they won't say that much to you. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're failing at being a Christian, any of that stuff. We need to be willing to be flexible and and and, and change things up. the The human brain loves novelty. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to mix up my routine for a while just to see if I can kind of bring some interest back to this. The other thing I would say is, Um, exactly as Jed's talking about, please feel the freedom to skip books. Feel the freedom to interface with the scriptures in a totally different way. We talked about this um, uh, maybe half a year ago at this point, but one thing I discovered recently is if you download just like the, I guess it's like maybe the Bible Gateway app or something like that on your phone. If you go to like the ESV version of it and then you click the little speaker at the bottom, then Uh, There's a very amazing uh, British actor called David Suchet who will read that chapter to you. Love the Suchet. And David Suchet's amazing. He plays Hercule Poirot from the Agatha Christie mysteries. Yes. He's amazing. And, and, and that is completely free. And so while you're doing dishes or driving to the store or whatever it is or, or walking to class, you can pull up a chapter that you want to experience that day, pull it up in the ESV, go down to the bottom of the page, click the speaker, and one of the coolest voice actors ever will read it to you and that is no less uh you know th- that that is no less holy than than picking up the you know the the bible and reading it yourself in starbucks or whatever there's all kinds of different resources all kinds of audio bibles and i want to add something to to the commentary thing that jed said just a couple of recommendations there was a pastor in um in palo alto california um or in san francisco california at a, at a church called um pbc named ray stedman Back in the seventies, and he wrote a book called *Adventuring Through the Bible*, where he wrote one chapter about every book in the Bible. And if you feel like i'd I'd like to know what the Book of Ecclesiastes is about, but I tried reading it a little bit; it was super boring. Then you can, you know, kind of flip through *Adventuring Through the Bible*, and Ray Steadman will give you just kind of a, a a really, you know, a really thorough kind of synopsis in a, in a few pages about what the Book of Ecclesiastes is about. And that way that'll give you some context. If you want to go check some of it out, he'll, he'll highlight some key verses, a little deeper dive. There's a book called with the word by Warren Wearsby. I think it was published in the eighties or something like that. And he has a one page uh, explanation of every chapter in the Bible, real good explanations, re- you know, like just real steady guy, you know, real solid. And, uh, and, and, way less boring on some of these on on some of these dusty books that you haven't checked out in the Old Testament you can just flip there and in three paragraphs you can get a good synopsis of what's going on in every single chapter of the Bible so those are just a couple of recommendations but don't be afraid to switch things up don't be afraid to to try something different and uh and know that it's not going to always work in the same way for you that's
0: a really great point those are excellent recommendations um and uh Leah's right, that's Bible Gateway. If you sc- go to their audio Bibles tab, you'll find a lot of different translations, um, including the David Suchet one, which is the NIV UK oh, okay. scrolling Thanks, there. Yeah. But there's there are the DSV, there's basically whichever one you like, all there for free, which is fantastic. And Glenn, um, I think part of what's going on here, I don't know, because 'cause I've been through the same thing myself, is the idea that if I if I skip um bits of Deuteronomy or the parts of the Old Testament where it's literally just a list of people who built a thing. Right. Like it's it's just he, these were masons. Yeah, there's the idea that to skip over that is to is to I might miss the super cool secret deep knowledge that's going to take this whole thing to the next level. Right. And that's really super not the way the Bible works, right? It
1: isn't because here's the thing: if you read every single word on every single page and you read it a hundred times, you are missing super cool stuff. That you just did not pick up on each pass that you went on it. That's because that's how deep it is. That's how that's the one of the things that makes the Bible great. Uh, so the idea of I want to take it all in in one go doesn't quite fit. You're going to be healing way layers. You're going to be, you know, uh, finding uh, all sorts of nuance to all of these things for the rest of your life, and that's that's. Great, that's good. That's as it should be. What you're trying to do by reading through the Bible, which is a fantastic idea, is to get a big picture overview on the whole thing and that's that's a fantastic thing to do. You don't need to read every minute detail, and you will need to skim over things uh where you know as as Matt's saying, these are just lists and these are history things where they're just you know uh talking amounts and things and naming people working on a wall and so forth you can skip or at least skim through those kind of things pretty quickly and 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 move on but you're going to find a number of things that you read that you don't understand uh because you're not a bible scholar you don't you know just because you read it and it's in the bible doesn't mean you grasp what's going on here these guys came down from the mountain of this and they went into the valley of that you don't know where they're talking about <laughs> you'll find that out later that's okay you're you're glossing over all of those minute details because you're trying to read it from end to end, and that's a good goal. You just have to follow through with your own goal, you know, just, just stick with the premise here. Um, uh, the second recommendation I would make, and this is, I would make this one very strongly, is get on a Bible reading plan that gives you a little bit of Old Testament and a little bit of New Testament every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do a one-year Bible, that's already baked in, and it it's really, really good. I've, I've done it both ways, and I promise you, it is way, way better to do a one-year Bible.
0: A great point, and you don't actually have to even buy the book at this point. You can go online and just search okay. one-year Bible reading plan, and it'll tell you, you know, read this passage, this passage, that passage, just yeah. do it yourself.
1: Yeah, what you're going to get when you do that is— um, uh, you know there are going to be passages in the Old Testament that are, are a bit dry here and there, but you're skimming through that, and you're you're getting that New Testament uh, that's going to be a lot more relevant to your your you know daily life and what what you're dealing with. So you're going to get a, a, you sort of cover all those bases. Uh, some of those reading plans will give you a, you know a bit of a Old Testament, a bit of New Testament, like one Psalm or you know like half a Psalm and a couple of proverbs or something, and you know that yeah. can be really good reading if you do it in that way. So find a really good Bible reading plan. Give yourself a chance to look at several different ones till you find like uh, one that really fits for you. Uh, and as as Matt said, there's tons of that stuff online that you can uh, dial in. Some Bible apps have that built in. I've seen before. Um, but here's the main thing I want you to to get as you hear all this from all of us one of the things about the Bible that we get wrong is this idea that all of it is of maximum importance. Mm. Now, that's not to say that one command of the Bible is less important than another command of the Bible, but it's that what we're trying to do with the Bible is not see a series of commands or a series of instructions or a series of things we need to be assigning ourselves to do. We're not supposed to reduce it down to those kinds of lists. We're supposed to take it all in. That's what you're trying to do with this reading, and it's a good thing. You're supposed to see how it all fits together uh, rather than trying to boil it down to, to its component parts. So here's what you're going to figure out. is This part of the Bible is saying uh, that it's important to— to have a, a day of rest that is holy. You know, that the Sabbath day stuff is going to come up in, in Scripture a lot. There are other parts of the Bible that talk about helping the poor. Uh, when Jesus came down, he said, I'm getting a lot of fixation on this Sabbath day stuff. A lot of fixation on it. I'm not getting hardly any fixation on the poor part And I emphasize that really strongly, and I'm not getting you to shift that gear. So uh, the, the, the exact phrase that Jesus uses is you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. Both of these things are not kosher to eat, a gnat and a camel. But you're making sure, really sure you don't do the little things, and you're ignoring the big things. So the phrase we use around here is major on the major, minor on the minors. That's what we're. That's how you should read scripture itself in the first place. A list of people who are building a wall is not major. Don't treat it as if it's major. Give okay. yourself permission to skim through that stuff. That's what we do. That's it's reasonable. I've taken the time once in my life to read every single word on every single page and really go into it. I, I've done that more than once, but I don't think I was edified by that particular list. I just. It was good, I guess, to know that I wasn't skipping over something important. You give yourself permission to skim through that, and give yourself recognize you'll go through all these things many times in your life.
0: That's a great point, and one of the things that's definitely that Glenn's pointing out there that's worth highlighting is not everything is going to have the same amount of importance every time you go through it. Right. Um, this is not you're not supposed. This is you're not supposed to read this book once and then uh, be done with it, as these guys are saying. So. Uh, the idea of not skipping bits is not as important if you're going to go back to this over and over. And with the skipping and the skimming, that's where a really good uh, commentary or um, you know uh, even just concordance kind of a definitional study Bible thing can really help because you can have someone on a Heschel, someone a historian who really knows why it's. It must be the list of people building the thing is probably important if it's in the Bible. But if you just read the list of names, you don't know why. You're not any better off for having read that. That's where you can go to something extra biblical actually get some context on that. And that really helps your understanding. Again, these guys are saying this, this idea of just um, the the best thing you can do for your faith is just Bible as hard as you can is just not (laughs) realistic and not a helpful thing. So that's, you're not cheating on the Bible. You didn't marry it. You're not cheating on with other books. Just, we can all relax (laughs) when it comes to the Bible. We move on to our final question. Here it comes in anonymously (laughs) to our inbox. And it says, I can't ever seem to keep promises to myself. I want to do better, but time after time, I mess up and disappoint myself. I imagine God must be disappointed too. Am I really just biting off more than I can chew here? How can you be sure that you can make a promise to yourself and then keep it? I'm tired of one step forward and two steps back. How can God help? And Lee, why don't you start us off here?
4: Um. Thanks for writing this in, and um, and thanks for being so honest about something that you're going through. I can tell you that we all know how it feels to to take a step forward and take a couple steps back. I know that I know how to. I know how. I know how that feels, and um, and I can tell you absolutely that God is not looking at you with frustration and disappointment. Um, God actually knew that you'd fall off, um, and He's actually. Not interested in us making a bunch of promises to him. He, he, he doesn't feel that way about it. Uh, he knows everything, so he already knows what's going to happen. And that's the thing about that's one of those things about disappointment is you actually it, it requires some surprise. Um, a couple of years ago, I was I was talking about a lot of this Jesus stuff with a, with a kid who was about to graduate high school. And he said, you know, uh, the whole thing sounds awesome, it sounds amazing, and it's definitely something I'm interested in, but I really want to experience, you know, just the American college experience. I just want to go be a college kid and just turn up and just live it up and the whole thing. And I said, okay, well, you know, um, you know, you got to do you on that, but hey, call me when when that doesn't work out. And he was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And uh, about 6 7 months after that I got a call from this dude and and I was like well hey how's it going and and he was like well um it's going terribly and he started you know kind of saying all this stuff and and he said are you uh you know just kind of confessing a bunch of stuff that was going on with him he said are you are you surprised are you disappointed in me and I was like well no I've been waiting on this phone call I mean you know I knew it was coming I knew this phone call was going to come who could have who, who could have foreseen that that it would have gone this way? And and I think we get tripped up on the idea of God being disappointed in us because we're disappointed in ourselves. Yeah. We we wanted to to make it through without you know without stepping out of line or or whatever whatever whatever. But but God knows what we're gonna do, and He knew exactly where you were gonna go. You ask in your question, "How can God help?" And that is a really cool question. It's a really cool place to end. And you know, you know, kind of wrap up what you're telling us, and kind of pitch this to us. How can God help? And, and the thing that I can tell you is that God wants to help you in so many ways that that would it would hurt your brain to to think about all if He was to tell you all the ways in which He wants to help. God does not want to. He doesn't want to withhold affection from you. He doesn't want to put you in time out. The thing that I can tell you about God is that no matter what you've done and this is important, you are not in trouble. And that's one of the coolest things about being in a relationship with Jesus is you are not in trouble. Whatever it's been and whatever's happened, you're not in trouble. He doesn't want to you know, put you on the bench or anything like that. He wants, to, he wants you to know that he understands, that he gets it. And what he wants to do is he wants to give you, not, not put you in a place where you're making promises, or you're going to change this, you're never going to do it again, da-da-da-da-da, you know, because you're just going to grit your teeth and, and bring in all this willpower. What he wants to do is to give you wisdom and insight, about why you do the things that you do, I know that 's what he wants to do with me. He wants me to understand why i why I think in the ways that I do, why I act in the ways that I do, why certain patterns happen in my life why uh, why certain emotions occur to me and certain thoughts occur to me when when these stimuli you know occur, and so He wants to give you insight into yourself, and he wants to give you wisdom about why certain things are happening, and he wants you to develop a healthy strategy and tactics about how to move forward. He's going to principally do that in three ways. You're going to find wisdom and insight in the scriptures. You're going to find wisdom and insight directly from the Holy Spirit in prayer. And you're going to find wisdom and insight from wise counsel. Those are believing friends and maybe a pastor or a Bible study leader or somebody that cares about you that's a little further on in your walk. And what we want to do is we want to go to all three of those sources and triangulate what is the Lord telling you as far as the wisdom and insight to move forward. These these other brothers can break this stuff down a little more, but we can tell you for certainty that the Lord is not disappointed in you, and you are not in trouble. He wants to come alongside you with grace and patience and love, and he wants to give you wisdom and insight for some good strategies to move forward.
0: Amen. That's all fantastic stuff. Indeed, amen. Uh, Now, Glenn, Lee Lee gave us something there that was was beautiful. It was poetic. It was encouraging. it It was the kind of thing people want to hear. Yeah. Now I'd like to get you to give us things nobody wants to hear. (laughs) That's the concept of managing expectations.
1: Yeah. How does that roll into this? Well, that's the thing is a a lot of failed promises that that we have were based on on an unrealistic expectation of ourselves. Uh, It turns out uh, that uh, we all have a way of thinking, I can just do anything I want (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I do feel that way. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing, we've had a lot of evidence to the contrary. We need to take that evidence in as we move forward. Uh so we we need to have goals that um take in a certain amount of failure into them. In other words, if uh, if my goal is I'm never going to eat anything made of chocolate ever again, that's a, that's we're going to, you know, we're going to have little. You thought it was an oatmeal raisin cookie, and there was a <laughs> chocolate chip in there, and you know, things happen.
3: Why is Glenn screaming "Why God!" while on his knees in the middle of the kitchen? But right, you I know, know,
1: something. Yeah, you know, he unclean, does that on a pretty you know,
0: daily basis at this point. We just ignore it.
3: Yeah,
1: this is a, we have to we have to build in the process of failure into whatever mm. we're resolving to do. Wow. We know there will be a certain amount of failure that that will happen there but the key thing is are we learning from yeah. it yeah. cuz if you are, have a fear of failure don't make any
0: resolutions
1: cuz you're definitely going to fail yep <laughs> <laughs> and if you're afraid of that that's bad okay kids so,
0: you tried your best and you failed miserably the lesson is never try
1: that's <laughs> so, you know if we have a thing of of fearing failure we need to deal with that first and foremost and a lot of people do have that. They just can't stand to fail. They can't live with themselves if they feel like they've failed at something. They lie to themselves and tell themselves they haven't failed because they can't handle it. They don't ever learn anything from a failure because they can't stand to look at that failure. This is not a way to live. Failure is good for you. It it will if you pay attention to it. If you if you let it teach you. It will give you a, a, a solid sense of humility and it will give you wisdom. It will give you insight. The key thing is to keep trying. It's not about never failing. It's about continuing to press that forward. This is certainly what the Lord's trying to tell you in all of these things. And the the thing that I would land on is uh I want us to look at willpower. We've talked about that a few times on the podcast. Right. Here's the part that I'm trying to point to. When I feel myself Saying I need to double down on my willpower to to stay strong in this situation. I am as close to failure as I could possibly be, mm. and I'm about to fall off. Yep. When I feel myself say I need to be focused and determined in order to get through this, that, that's a good thing to say. I'm not I'm not saying that it's bad to have willpower or exercise it. But it's important for me to recognize I need to change the circumstances radically, in order to have in other words I need a better strategy, because if I'm using willpower I'm going to run out in about a day. So that when we want to use willpower as that trigger and that signal of I need a better strategy because I am this is the the last thing before you fall off is your your applying a lot of willpower
0: gumption is the last refuge of someone who's about to screw up. Yeah. And Jed, I love what Glenn's saying there about kind of uh, rewiring. Maybe the way we think about these things, it's not all willpower It actually willpower is going to be a problem there. But how, how does that tie into the narrative we put in all this stuff? So our friend writes in and says, you know, I made promises and I break them. I'm tired of that, which we all relate to part of that. Almost certainly has something to do with, I'm tired of being the type of person who can't do this.
3: Yeah, I would like to be able
0: to grit down and ascend to a higher plane and just be the person who does this. Yeah. So if the issue is one of strategy and not one of willpower, how does that affect that?
3: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think we have to choose the results that we want. Do you want to feel a certain way about yourself, or do you want to get a certain thing done i'll I'll give you kind of an absurd example but it's it's a real life true example and it relates back to this a few years ago i got into doing car stereo stuff as a hobby so i would not stealing them oh yeah no i'd steal them oh but once i'd stolen them though i would install them in cars (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's
3: it it just the cops just looked at it said, well
0: it's it feels like a no harm no foul situation just moved on
3: So one of the common things with that is you're swapping out speakers, right? And as you might know, you know, a lot of speakers in cars are in the door panel, like your front, you know, uh, and your front doors, right? So I was working on older, cheaper cars, so I was dealing with some that had manual windows, you know, so you got the crank and you got to turn it. Okay, so... In order to put in the speaker, you got to take off that handle that you use to control the window. That seems like it's no big deal at all. Well, if you start doing some research, what you discover is there's a specialized tool that people who know what they're doing use for that one thing. That's the only thing that tool does, is it just pops those right off. It takes two seconds. And if you don't use that tool, it's not coming off, and you're going to destroy this door in the process. <laughs> now, In that moment, and this is going to get to that identity piece, there's a part that says, I'm a big man, I'm a strong man, I got a lot of willpower, I don't need some fancy pants college boy tool, I'm just going to do it and be like, and then it's going to pop off and we're going to move on. Three hours and a completely destroyed (laughs) door panel later, I realized what I should have been shooting for is being the kind of guy that uses the right tool for the job. that was the identity (laughs) that I should have adopted for myself. Now, I think it comes down in general to, there are two identities that we can seek after for ourselves and, and they don't overlap at all in a funny way. There's the identity that people who've actually succeeded at things have, which is often, well, I learned how to do it. And I can teach you how to do it. It's, yeah, I mean, I worked at it a lot, but I'm the kind of guy where I was given a lot of good advice, and a lot of good training, a lot of good strategy, and I just, I applied that over time, and and it got somewhere good. If I can do it, anybody can do it, and I'd be happy to show you how to do it. Nearly everybody that I know personally who's really good at something more or less has that view of themselves and the thing that they do. The view that people who haven't done very much have is... The way successful people do it is they just want it more than anybody. And they just, they just grunt super hard and they just flex their biceps until the world submits. And that door panel comes off. Now, as you can see, (laughs) there's no overlap between these two worldviews, between these two senses of identity. So, I think to go back Matt, to your question of you know willpower and strategy and identity and how do these things overlap, something has to win because we're trying to balance things that are in competition. so the question for you is what's going to win is what's going to win the outcome that you want in the long term so for example, um you know i I want to learn to install car stereos is the thing that's going to win is I will have successfully installed a car stereo without destroying the interior of the car or is the thing that's going to win. I want to feel a certain way about myself in the process of learning to do that. They can't both be of equal importance. One of these has to win. If we want the outcome-based thing to win, then this is entirely about strategy and structure. It's about wisdom. It's about the best possible advice, a step-by-step procedure on how one accomplishes this task. Um, If it's about the way we feel about ourselves during the journey, good luck. Enjoy the willpower. It will probably go great.
0: If you're, if what you want is a carefully curated experience where you manage how, you get to pick how you feel about yourself throughout the, every step, what you're describing is a fantasy camp. Right. You can go shag fly balls with the Diamondbacks or Civil War enactment or whatever, but that is that is what that is. Yeah. You can you can go to Disney World, pay a lot of money for the experience, but that's 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 what that's how you get to manage your feelings about yourself at every turn in a project. Thank you for your question. If you have questions, you can write to stay at dot thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you want to keep it anonymous, to out the song this week. This is from our sister program, The Bridge Loud.
2: Yeah. This Woo. is
0: a very cool thing. This is a project Jed with some very talented friends helped put together specifically to uh, help folks who were uh, going through bullying. So the uh, excellent vocals are from our friend, Eric Barrios down there in South florida and the content is from our friend alana grenda who is a licensed clinical social worker so we have some very high level ideas about dealing with the emotional fallout of bullying delivered by a screaming man and isn't that how all psychological advice should be delivered in our perfect world out that it's called those who have your back take out that thanks for listening to we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it
1: say that podcast if you think melee weapons in church is a bad idea you're listening to the wrong podcast
4: yeah, that's really? such so <laughs>